0: You know, I've got two kids, a beautiful wife, and I love them all very much. For me to leave my house and leave them to go do this, which I love, don't get me wrong. I'm not doing it for free, right?
1: You know, that's Drew McLean, former project superintendent, current owner of McLean Construction Group, talking about, talking about why he does this. But today we're going to talk about scaling up what's billable, how you get educated and what Drew's vision for his company are among other things. Stick around. Cause this is what the contracting handbook is all
0: about. How do you decide or, or when do you decide that you want to scale up bigger projects, maybe go commercial, go, go build your own spec homes. Like, but the main thing that I did is when I realized I wanted to do it, I just sought out the, the education you just got to do it and there's no good time. I had a daughter who was just born.
1: Jump through them. Yeah. Just just do it. You have like no matter what, you hate the system, you don't like how it's set up, you hate right. bureaucracy. Yeah. I get
0: yeah. it. 100%. Yeah. Bureaucracy, no. But and also, if the train's on the tracks, you got to also ask yourself how much of this stuff is billable. Yeah, you know, there's a huge part where a lot of people I think feel guilty. I think a lot of people just need to look at what general requirements and general conditions are. Yeah, if we're waking up and we're going out here and we're putting our effort towards your building or your house or whatever, it's going to be built.
1: I'm never going back to that mindset where I'm like cheapening myself or feeling guilty about Mm -hmm. making money. It's We're not here to go broke. What you think they
0: think is always worse because we're our worst critic.
1: I want one to three
0: driveways a year at this point. Right, yeah. (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to ask what flavor you think you are. (laughs) How do you stay ahead and how do you keep in your side of things, keep that train moving and keeping that funding rolling? Is that, is there any certain um, strategies you have? Or I think a lot of people need to understand we're not banks, right? And neither are subcontractors. We're not here to fund your project we've come a long way in the industry and i think it's time to to start showing people that come here this is a safe home with smart people who you know have their own podcasts and and you know use technology to help build these things like pull those freedoms from them and they're just gonna you know look for you for all the answers and then they won't have a good quality of life toes if you treat people you know like employees in that sense. And you're just, well, no, no stick in your lane, you know, like, no man, give people the freedom to operate. That's, I think that's huge. Something you just
1: hit on with your trade contractors is that, you know, you kind of see them as mentors in a sense, and you're an electrician. Do you sweep up
0: How do you know that say i'm a say i start out as a single family home builder and how do you decide or or when do you decide that you want to scale up bigger projects maybe go commercial go go build your own spec homes like again it's like kind of doing it when the tires are, are running right you know, you're trying to change the tires with the cars going
1: i think this Shoot. comes i think this comes back to you know setting objectives now
0: hmm.
1: even if you're I mean, right now for a lot of people listening, even if they're been remodeling houses for a while or have built some custom homes, like what is your objective? What's your five-year plan? What do you want to build? And I, and I, you know, in the book and maybe in the first few um, podcasts, I say to have a vision before you even name your company, like, what is your vision? What do you want to be doing? Because if you don't, you just do everything. Sure. And you don't want to just have the business run you, you want to run your business. So you want to be Mm -hmm. doing things that, that, that kind of feed your brain, that, that make you happy. If you have those objectives, then you can kind of shoot for, you know, achieving these goals. And then your next ambition is to, to scale up or, or go to that next level. And then of course, when you get to that point, it's, it's a, it's a matter of confidence and, you know, can you execute a project? Uh, on that scale
0: right yeah i think that's another tough thing with a lot of guys and gals out there who who you know maybe start out now it's probably unfair start out as a you know like a renovation contractor and they want to do new builds and they want to be a more of a new build contractor you know how do they go and tell the clients well yeah i can take it from ground up when all they've ever done was
1: well that's dangerous but that happens i've seen it yeah where people's websites say ground up and they've never built they have never even been in the dirt. Yeah. Uh, and that can get sticky because then you don't know, you know, here's the thing. You don't have a dirt guy, you get one. And then you miscommunicate and five grand comes out of your budget right off the bat. Cause you screwed up, right. yeah. you know, and that's, that's, so that is a major consideration t- before scaling up is your experience. What do you have experience with?
0: Yeah. And, and like you said, setting goals, maybe that that person needs to be, you know, looking for that experience. Right. right? Position yourself like when I when I was working on this this big house and I, I told myself, you know, the goal after the recession for me was to always try to be my own boss. And so now is the time. And there was a certain point when I was working on that job, you know, just as an employee the large 30,000 square foot job where I was like, you know, I'm going to start being the boss. I'm going to start acting like the boss because that's what I'm doing anyways. And I might as well start acting like for myself so that, you know, maybe my brain catches up and starts thinking I am the boss. Next thing you know, you know, a job lands in my lap and I'm starting McLean construction. And I think it's a valuable point is you need to position yourself in those, not just, you know, physically, but in the mindset of what you want to do and put yourself in that direction, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think think that it's important to try to be there for some of the experiences of your subs or, you know, learn some about those trades, do some on your own. Uh, My advantage, one of my key advantages for myself is that I just built a few of my houses by myself. They're basic, but, I did everything. And so it gave me a really good vision of what my subs are going to need to do to visualize the whole process. And I think that, yeah, if you don't have the experience, you need to find it. Like you're saying, you need to, you need to, you need to get in front of it. You need to figure out a way to have that experience. And that's goes back to uh, working on your business. Right. You know?
0: Yeah. And then people are going to say, well, how do I find time to do that when I'm already, running around trying to do all the construction? How do I, you know, find time to position myself to put myself in these things, to learn, to get the experience, right? Get it on the list. Yeah. And stop making excuses, I think is another thing. I think that was a, a, you know, not to get personal here, but one of the big things in my life was no one's coming to help you, Drew. You know, you're either going to get yourself out of this, whatever it is in life, or you're just going to stay where you're at, right? Right. And so that was one of the huge things of, you know, becoming the boss and start acting like it is, hey, you know, I'm going to start helping myself because no one's coming.
1: You always have to be working on yourself. If I don't see how you could do this without knowing that, though, I mean, we are completely on our own. Right. We create our own, we create our own worlds. We park wherever we want.
0: <laughs> as long as you have a ladder on your truck, you can park wherever <laughs> you want. No, I think I mean it in the sense like, um, you know, like, this isn't all happening to you in life, guys. This is, you know, this is life. Like, it's not happening to you. Just stop making excuses and go out there and, and do it, you know? I think that's a huge thing. That, that's what the realization that no one's coming. It's like, I think that's what it was. How did you go about getting your license? Yeah, totally. So, I, you know, everyone states different. Um, Just like you said, the beautiful, sunny Florida here, we also have hurricanes, which basically made everyone become really strict in all the code enforcement and giving contractors license after Hurricane Andrew. And when that happened, it became a lot harder to get licensed. Now, one of the things is in the state of Florida, which I found is that you can actually use college education towards your experience, because in Florida, you have to have four years of experience to have your contractor's license. And if any of these numbers or anything's off, don't uh, badmouth me. But And so, you know, first, you have to get the experience. Um, and that's not necessarily true either, because you, you have four years to activate your license, not to get completely boring here. But the main thing is, like we said, is go search out the places that can help you be efficient and do the work. I used a place in um, Tampa called Camtech and they teach you how to do the license. They teach you, they mm. teach you how to take the test. They teach you everything. Um, and a lot of it too, is even brush up courses. And I think that's a huge thing is it took a lot of time. And I think anyone coming up, they have to know all this stuff takes time. Um, but I thought the courses were valuable and that basically taught me how to take the test. And once that happened, I already had the experience um, for four-story buildings or higher for my GC license. But the main thing that I did is when I realized I wanted to do it, I just sought out the the education. And I found the schooling that did it and it costs you money and it all does, but you just got to do it. And there's no good time. I had a daughter who was just born. I was, you know, I was, I think at the time, I was working on an apartment complex I was doing in Tampa, building that for a large general contractor. And you just got to find the time and do it. It's just like anything we talked about, you know, and then start all the paperwork, which by the way, they also have people that can help you with the paperwork, which I utilize in filing all those confusing documents to the state of Florida, find people to help you man. don't do it all on your own.
1: Mm -hmm. The best way to get your license is to go to someone who teaches how to get that license pay them whatever nominal fee that is because in the at the end of the day what you give them is nothing compared to the amount of time you're going to spend trying to figure out how to pass that test on your own
0: right they tell you how to they tell you how to pass it exactly and i i I hate to say this but i didn't really study i took that course and i just took the test Mm -hmm. you know i didn't do any studying and they and i didn't do any of the coursework i just in I made it through, you know, I might. Yeah. You probably have a little more experience
1: uh, with code than the average person who's starting to take that test, given the
0: think, projects you're working on. Yeah. You know, I think it just stay curious. Uh, that's all I've ever done in my life was just stay curious and kept growing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I love information and I love construction. Mm-hmm. So everything in it was just, it sticks when it enters my head and it's construction related it sticks. Mm-hmm. But um, Even though, man, I don't know, you know, a lot of people, I know there's a lot of people who are, who have tough time taking tests. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and you just gotta, you just gotta realize this is one thing that's going to stop you from becoming a better you or getting that, you know, career that you want of having your GC license. Like just, it doesn't matter. Just keep going, keep trying.
1: Right. And and it's make it's bringing to mind for me like there are hoops that you have to jump through jump through them yeah just just do it you have like no matter what you hate the system you don't like how it's set up you hate right. bureaucracy yeah i get yeah. it 100 yeah. percent bureaucracy no but you have to do it you have to satisfy those people and then you're on your own again totally that you have to yeah. do your basic you have to do your education requirements which are usually free, put on by your hardware store. There's usually free food, so you know <laughs> it's not it's not that hard once you're once you jump through the hoops to get it all done.
0: Like you said, just jump through, man. Don't don't let those things stop you.
1: I, it's so long ago for me. I listen you say it, and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much the deal. Like, go to the people who do it. Right. Yeah. And then it's just they make your life easier. And then there's all the hoops that come with it, and you just have to jump through them and pay someone to help you.
0: That's that's huge. You know, the The state of Florida, which I love this state, of, you know, I don't want to live anywhere else. Sorry, Alaska, but it they're really confusing on a lot of the paperwork. And I knew that going in. And someone was like, hey, I'll follow your paperwork for you. Just pay us this amount of money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if it saves you time, your valuable time that you're doing, working on projects or whatever it is, you know, Especially since we're contractors, that's what we do, right? Is to delegate and, and get other people to help us out to make a dream happen.
1: It's very true. And, and as contractors, almost 100% sure that any contractor will get on here and say, when they look back at the folly, many of the things they did when they were starting out and not delegating everything. Um, yeah. You know, when you're starting out, having a CPA is crucial. It makes yeah, yeah. so much more sense. Why not, why not work with someone who knows numbers and has seen this so many times? Right. You, do you think their hourly rate is painful? No, that's the part ah, that I think stops it's everyone. It's, yeah. They're like,
0: oh, it's going to cost me money. No, they're making money. Yeah. You know, because it's allowing you to spend the time making money that you can. Spend make- time on your
1: business, on the right. things that you're good at. And, and one of the things, uh. I don't know if you heard the episode with Rachel Taylor. If you haven't, you should, but, but she points out over and over that there's, if you're not good at something in your business, find someone who is.
0: Yeah. 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 That was great. Great interview. Absolutely. And that stuck with me too. I think that, you know, a lot of things from this podcast took me and that really did. That was a great interview because, you know, so many people are like, well, you know, I got to do the books. Why do you have to do the books? you an accountant? Are you licensed? Do you, have you been trained on doing the books? You know, and then they spend, you know, how many hours trying to figure it all out when all you have to do is just call someone up. And then, you know, now does that barrier to entry of of their uh, fee, you know, does that scare you off now? No, you know, it it makes sense.
1: Yeah. When I was starting, I had a Trade contractor that I kind of know tell me that I should do my own books, so it'll keep me in touch with my business <laughs> and where everything's going. And well, if you have a CPA, they can tell you the same thing. They just report to you, right? While you while you do other things that you're good
0: at to make money. And also, if the train's on the tracks, you got to also ask yourself how much of this stuff is billable. You know, so many people. I think that's another thing. Is I mm. think a lot of people coming in or they leave too much money on.
1: Let's talk about what's billable because general contractors volunteer so much time. Right. And we don't need to be volunteering to our clients. They should
0: be paying us. Exactly. So, you know, I've got two kids, a beautiful wife and I love them all very much for me to leave my house and leave them to go do this, which I love. Don't get me wrong. I'm not doing it for free. Right. And you know, there's a huge part where a lot of people I think feel guilty and I'm kind of going through that right now from go moving from employee to, you know, owner, you get that. Um, well, all, all, at least it's all my time. You know, I think you have uh, one might have guilt of markup or guilt of profit, but I think a lot of that stuff. And what I mean by that is, you know, as an employee, you're making an hourly wage. You're used to that. You're used to it. If you've made that you're good. A lot of, you know, and I think a lot of people are afraid to say, well, you do need profit. Also, insurance is billable, too. I wouldn't need insurance if I wasn't doing this. That's also billable to the job. Um, And better answer, I think a lot of people just need to look at what general requirements and general conditions are. A lot of people don't understand. It's like, hey, guys your insurance, your general liability and all that is obviously built into the job. You know, you've got your salary, which is a whole other conversation if you're the builder. Yeah, you still need to pay yourself a salary. That should be built to the job. You know, these are all still just general conditions. To me, general conditions without getting to like, you know, construction school here, general conditions are or what it the hours in the administration that it takes to do the job. General requirements is what it takes to do the job, right? All of the tools and dumpsters and all of that. Um, And I think a huge sense of that is, yeah, if we're waking up and we're going out here and we're putting our effort towards your building or your house or whatever, it's going to be built.
1: Full price. Because we have to encourage other builders, Pete, coming into it, that you, you cannot sell yourself short. You're a professional. You didn't get here by accident. Maybe you arrived by accident because you did something else first. But being who you are and choosing this path is no accident and you need to get, you need to be compensated. And it goes back to, I'm going to kind of round it back into that. When you're talking about scaling up, I think when I started taking on bigger jobs, like my first gut, bit like full gut, while the people are going to be living in the house, I was like, how is this going to work? You know, because we got, we got to, we got to mitigate for dust and, and, and on such a big scale and a, a lot of people in the house every day, but a lot of money. And when I was putting that quote together, my categories, my line items, the numbers were just getting huge, Mm -hmm. but I was using my, my formulas and I, and I considered reducing some of those, Numbers, because I thought, oh, if I tell them it's going to be this much money, they'll say no way. And I and I didn't back down on any of it. I sent them the quote. They asked to meet me and go over it. We went over it. I explained it all to them, and they said they signed it and gave me gave me fifty percent. And I was that really lent me some confidence at the time where I said, okay, this is I am never going back to that mindset where I like am cheapening myself or or feeling guilty. About mm-hmm. making money. It's, we're not here to go broke. Right. We're not here to do yeah. it for free. You can do that yeah, like later cheaping, when you
0: retire. Yeah. Cheaping yourself. That's, that's a huge thing. I think a lot of people don't see themselves as good enough out there. And that's probably, mm. you know, they, there's a lot of self doubt. And I think that drives a lot of it. Like, well, maybe I'm not worth it. It's like, again, yeah, you're leaving your family in the morning to go out there and, and do this. You're worth it. Right? you're and, it, and and all of that you have to you have to take care of yourself because it's stealing from your family otherwise and, and sadly I think a lot of people are willing to do that just to make someone happy you know I think you were talking about just now talk, you were afraid about you were talking about backing down from the pricing of what they were what you thought they were gonna think right but that's only what you think they think it's not what they mm-hmm. really think mm-hmm what you think they think is always worse because we're our worst critic. And uh, again, going into philosophy, when we're talking about what's billable, but that self-doubt I think is what drives a lot of people to do it. And I think people need to know you're worth it. And that's why they called you. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and as philosophical as it might seem, I think this is the underlying cause. I mean, it's, it's not just that most contractors don't know their numbers. And that we are, that we do bank account accounting, the way we look at our bank account and go, Oh, I'm, this looks good. I said, yeah. Oh, now we're, we're looking good. You know, I like that. but, but, uh, it's, it's, it's vital for people to recognize
0: mm-hmm.
1: that it is, it is about your mindset yeah. when you are talking about what's billable. Totally. Uh, and you should charge, for consulting time during the project you should not sell yourself short on that yeah uh, and another thing is we were all on our own before the internet before social media we didn't yeah. really have this outlet there were some forums when when the internet started like construction yeah, talks yeah, yeah. and stuff where you could go get some really nasty answers <laughs> um but but really we we're on our own and i cheapened myself no doubt at the beginning I, I looked at, I looked at my jobs and what I made and divided it by the hours I put into it and said, okay, I did okay on that job. And I was thinking of that mentality of kind of what Rachel Taylor was talking about. Like, um, if you're not serving yourself first, you're really just an employee of your client. And that's kind of what I was an employee of my client. And then I started charging for my experience and it cost this much. And that that switch is also when I started getting better clients.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: cheap clients know they can't work with me.
0: Right. Yeah, that's that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. And, you know, I, I think there's, it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I feel like I keep name dropping, but Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, when he was talking about pricing himself you know i think he mm-hmm. was making a game board or something like that and he was trying to figure out how to price it and hasbro was telling him it had to be 30 it had to be below 40 bucks or something like that given none of these numbers are are accurate but okay. and, you know, yeah and he went in for like you know a board game that was like 130 dollars, but it, it sold and people were using it because he was he, he priced for his he said it was a learning tool it wasn't just a board game, you know? And like you said, you're pricing for your experience. And I think that's a valuable thing. And again, that's all mindset. It's all perspective, right? It's how we look at it. And then all of a sudden, it just explodes. And yeah, it makes sense. It makes 100% sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't work all those years to get here
0: and charge by the hour. No right. way. Yeah. No way. And again, I again, I think a lot of people need to look back and see where they came from and what it took, what it took for them to get to this point. Because, you know, in our eyes, you know, we're all viewing our, our lives through you know, our own lenses, right? You've got your lenses of how Mike came up, and I've got my lenses, how Drew came up. But we all just see them as just living life. But no, a lot of that is hard-earned experience that's that these people are looking for and they're gonna pay for. It. And to be honest, if you need someone who's cheaper, then you need to go find a handyman or, 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 someone who is cheaper, who has less experience. There's probably millions of handymen who have way more experience than I do. Don't want to, you know, say any of that, but the point is don't cheapen yourself, look back and see what you're really worth and start having some more self worth and stop doubting yourself.
1: I don't think you were disparaging handymen. Um, and I wouldn't either to kind of reframe that it's, They can go to someone else with less experience, let's say, because they think it's going to be cheaper. But in the end, it's not. Because the person who may have said, oh, I'm guessing it's going to cost this much. Well, they're going to, by the time the project's done, it's probably going to cost what you said it was going to cost. That's right.
0: That's right. I've seen that far too often. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And again, not to disparage being a handyman, because because the world needs handymen too, like to be able to refer people to someone whose scope is day to day. They deal with 150 driveways a year, 200 driveways a year. And I, i I want one to three driveways a year at this point.
0: Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I, I, think that's, I think half of the battles between our ears on all of this stuff. And by, I mean, it's all in our heads. Right. And I think that's, that's one of the things a lot of us, you know, trades people and and contractors need to get out of our heads and, and just try to, I always joke and I say, I'm constantly trying to force things into black and white when I'm just living in a great Mm. world. But you know, I'm constantly, that's how I keep my sanity is forced into black and white. And then I can see it. I'm like, okay, okay. It's out in front of me. I can see it. You know, you got to beat those mental battles because it's all in between our ears, guys and gals.
1: But one thing for sure is, is mindset and not, not cheapening yourself, no matter how, no matter who you are, personality wise, if you're Mm -hmm. good at what you do, your personality is just flavor for the client. It's just
0: a little spice. Uh, (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to ask what flavor you think you are. Uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Let's see the comments of flavor, contractor flavors. Another one of the things, Mike, you know, I was thinking about, it's, you know, our job as general contractors is to keep the train on the tracks, right? But yeah. the the train runs on money. So keeping that train moving down the tracks with funding, you know, we talked about, I'm a progress billing guy because my project's going a little bit longer. Um, but how do you, how do you stay ahead and how do you keep in your side of things, keep that train moving and keeping that funding rolling? Is that is there any certain strategies you have or, or anything like that?
1: I have weekly updates on the project that I send the client so they know what's happening at the house this week. And okay. and, and let's just say for, for scope right now, for anybody listening, let's just say this is new construction, single family home. Initial down payment. There's a landmark payment coming. In between that, I say dirt work is going to commence on this day, weather permitting and load limits permitting, you know, because we have load limits after winter for a long time. That's the big question mark for us. And then once that's going, it's like, okay, concrete starts this day. Framers are starting on this day or this window. This payment is going to be due at this landmark point next week. Framers are here. Landmark payment is due this Friday because they're going to be done.
0: Staying ahead of it and keeping their expectations, knowing that it's coming and that you're, you're just really trying to make sure that you're getting that, that fuel in there and i'm
1: getting paid in advance for the next phases mm-hmm. which is a huge security blanket for me right these next phases cost this much well i need this much money to execute them
0: that's huge that's huge you know because i think a lot of people need to understand we're not banks right and neither are subcontractors we're not here to fund your projects, but you know we got a we got to be good stewards of the owner's money and expectations too, and, and keep them notified and, and stay, keep that transparency. And
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think that when you, when you communicate that and, and you're reminding them, it gives them a sense. They're more part of the project. You know, you have to, of course, have boundaries of what their involvement is constantly being updated. They can see what their money's being spent on. You know, I don't know how that works for, if it's the same in a project like you're working on with that house, that's going to be two or three years, 30,000 square feet. Is the client around? Do they, are there job site visits all the time? Do they see that progress? They're, Do they, where, where no, are we, they?
0: Yeah. 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 They're all over the place, right? They're, they're, they're going to make money so we can build that big house. So mm-hmm. again, same thing we send, you know, Progress updates weekly, photos weekly. We send aerial photography once a month. You know, it's one of those things.
1: Now, are you billing for work completed or work that's going to be completed? I mean, in that sense, or is it just down payment and then we get this much every month until so final with, payment?
0: So, with monthly billing on these jobs, uh, really, you know, what I like to tell a lot of people is look, you know, our subcontractors and tree partners, it's project out till the end of the month. But we're, you know, because I'm always asking for, for bills typically by the 25th or so or 20th. And we're projecting out to the end of the month. But it's not like we're projecting out anywhere. It's we're completed for the most part of that mm-hmm. month. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so in a sense, it can be pretty rough if your client doesn't fund the job as quickly. Because if they're sitting in, it becomes a net, net 60 or a net 90, you know, payout. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are you know now they become banks, your subcontractors become banks and that's that's not a good thing. And that's one of those I always tell people you know that's one of the biggest responsibilities of the job of a project manager is to make sure that the train keeps moving and that is by funding and that's it. Absolutely. yeah. I don't know if I answered that question.
1: We have a different approach, but, and it's, it is down to the personality. I can't sleep at night knowing that I'm going into massive debt for my client. Right now. And you're on this project. You're talking about, you're the manager. It's a little bit different in terms of that debt, because it's not your debt. It's, it's the company's debt. But you, but it will be yours if that's how you build. you know, when you're building, when you start doing your customs. Right. Um, I know there's a, there's a philosophy out there that, you know, I read this book that I, that shall remain unnamed, but when I describe what's going on, anybody who's read it will know what I'm talking about. This person says that your contractor should basically build your house and then you pay for it out of their pocket. No way. It's crazy. It's crazy. There's no way. That's no, if that's the case, it's a spec house and you don't get to say anything. You can come
0: over when it's done. And, and, you know, if it's managing different people, we have to also manage ourselves. You don't want to create uh, an atmosphere where you've got resentment towards that job or that client because you're funding their job. And I don't think any client wants that resentment either. Right. You know, and, and how many, are you going to be cutting corners because now you're, you know, you're out of money. Like, that's not a good place to be either. So I think that's where a lot of clients, if you keep that transparency and, and communication up, then I think they would know. Yeah,
1: it comes back to expectation management.
0: Totally. 100%. From,
1: from the start, we've been, we've been talking about how to how to deal with projects for almost two hours here. But we haven't really dug into the vision you have for your company. Um, and I, you know, your questions about scaling up were on point. Uh, your questions about everything have been on point. But what is your vision for your company? Are you going to build single family homes? Are you going to build subdivisions? What's your What's your deal?
0: Yeah, so, you know, I, I am, I'm more of a people person than anything. Uh, I, I just happen to love construction at the same time. So I, I want to stick with the single family homes. But eventually I think the goal is, and I, I think I might've touched on it. My wife is an architect. She's a licensed and operating architect and I'm a licensed and now operating general contractor. Our goal is to be able to do it ourselves and, and build specs and be that developer. Now, not so much on a, on a uh, you know, a track home basis, but I think kind of more towards what you're doing and focus on, you know, building and delivering great products to to our clients and to people. And I, I think that's another thing is is making the business a people business. And I think that's one of my big dreams is is making a business to not just help people, but create good products that people are going to live in and then they they can afford, they can enjoy and make sense. I think a lot of people build for themselves and not for the people in the environment. And I think that's that's one of the big dreams too. And I want to say one more thing. I want to mm. focus a lot on bringing more people into this industry. And I think mm. owning your own business can help that. And I think I can reach out and bring more people and reach out and help more people in that sense. Because, you know, like you said, we all know it we're having a hard time finding skilled folks out there to do this work. And I think too many people think that construction's one of those industries where it's just rough, a whole bunch of people with plumbers cracks cussing at each other. It's like, no guys, we, we, we've, we've come a long way. Okay. Now you still might see some of that on certain jobs, but you know, we've come a long way in the industry and I think it's time to, to sh- start showing people that, Hey, come here. This is a safe home with smart people who, you know, have their own podcasts and, and, you know, use technology to help build these things, like come and learn and do something with your hands. And that's another one of the dreams of my business is to, is to help kind of help our industry in that sense.
1: One of the things that i found to be of value in creating my business was creating opportunity. I'm not the leader of like the labor movement and to get more people in the, in the trades. I I'm definitely down with facilitating, but for myself, I think one of my strengths has been creating opportunity for other people. And then even within that, once we, once they're working for us, if they need to be shown something to take them to the next level, create that opportunity within your business, give them when there's time, when it makes sense, let go a little bit and, and let them figure stuff out and, totally. and, make, and make them better people.
0: Yeah. So I had this crazy idea of a business and it's to create a construction business and, and hire project managers and superintendents who will run the job like it's their own business. And you give them the freedoms and you don't micromanage and you let them become the people that they want to become. Hmm. Because in a lot of sense, you know, I think about client retention. I think about how do I, or not client retention, employed retention. I think, how do I keep people like me working for me? Right. Yeah. And in order to do that, you have to give them the ability to operate with their own freedoms, because if you pull those freedoms from them, then they're just going to, you know, look for you for all the answers. And then they won't have a good quality of life. And I think that's a, it's something I'm kind of chewing on and I'm like, I don't know how to do it rather than just, you know, here's the keys, you know, and go for it, but let Uh, them know that they've got the safety, you know, they've got the, they've got the love from uncle Drew to help them out. You know?
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a really neat concept and idea. I uh, retention, employee retention is man, these people have all the talent and when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, you are, now relying on your crew, your employees are the face of your company. They're who your employees or your your uh, clients see every day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They make it happen. And the person who becomes your foreman, project manager, if they're gone, you got nothing. Right. And so, so giving them opportunities to grow, giving them because not everybody's motivated by just money after a while, anybody's bored of their paycheck. I mean, it doesn't really, they know what they're going to get every week. Right. And if they're, if they're not getting opportunities to grow and change and and be better, you might not be able to keep them around. Yeah. You know, that your people in leadership roles in your company are not just cogs. They're not just people who are going to stick around for a little while. You have to, you have to really work on that relationship um because they are they're creative people they wouldn't be in that position to take on that liability and all that extra burden because they essentially become a middle manager and the pressure's on it's a special person to be put in that position so you have to foster that
0: relationship right those people are us you know you had to leave a job at one point in time you know i have i'm leaving a job to start my own thing those people are us So, and how do you, how would you want to be treated?
1: Yeah, they are us. They're us who doesn't want our responsibility. They're going, (laughs) they're going, that's your, that's your problem. Right. I I got, I got the job site. You go deal with the rest of it.
0: That's the beauty though. I think, I think, you know, my thing right now, I could stay where I'm working forever, but I want to be challenged. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the money's good. I've got no problem with money, but it's the challenge of things. And that's we want the next level as humans to just, you know, once you're used to climbing the steps, man, you want to keep going. You know, once those plateaus get a little old after a while, and those plateaus, if you treat people, you know, like employees in that sense, and you're just, well, no, no, stick in your lane, you know, like, no, man, give people the freedom to operate. That's, I think that's huge.
1: It is huge,
0: Drew. That's, uh, who is your mentor, Drew? Who who's my mentor, man? I don't know. I've had a lot in my life. Um, Yeah. So like my dad died when I was young, but my grandfather kept in and my, my uncles were there. I had one uncle, my uncle, Kevin was huge. And my grandfathers, those, those people in my, both of my grandfathers really showed me how to become a man. And that was huge. Um, Now mentors of construction, I don't know. You know, I think the people I meet every day, the trade partners, the subcontractors, the people who are out there, they're the people who inspire me and really mentor me to keep moving forward. It's a weird answer to that question. There's not like one person I look up to or look to it's, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, tell my daughter who's six and she's like, "What well, I have to go to school. And I'm like, because people rely on you because we have a responsibility. It's not just what you want. Right. And I think, that responsibility of all those people is what keeps me driving and keeps me looking for answers of keeping them efficient. Now I am looking for a mentor, Mike. So if you want to, if you want to put your name in the hat, I Mm. (laughs) I'm looking for a solid mentor for the next couple of steps. But I don't know. I don't know, man. That's a hard one to answer for me.
1: Well, I'm always around. I'm always up for a conversation. And I think a lot of this is just bouncing ideas off each other. And one of the things I love about the pod is just all the affirmation of, that what I've been doing is okay. Something you just hit on with your trade contractors is that you know you kind of see them as mentors in a sense. And and I I, I agree as a as a general, we only see our own sites, but our trade contractors see everybody's sites, they know yeah. all the other generals, they know what it feels like to be on each different person's kind of site. They know all the different kinds of challenges. You learn more from your trade contractors than anyone at this point. Totally. You got a question on anything you've never done before, you know who to call. Yeah. And yeah. And you, you get answers and and that those
0: relationships are incredible. And to and to see those trade partners as people and treat them as people, I find that they they've been mistreated so much by contractors by the superintendent who's on site who's grumpy you know i think that's one of the huge things and you get a lot more back from them when you actually treat them with the respect that they deserve
1: yeah and i agree and there was a there was a number of years when i was so busy that i didn't really get to know my subs we talked i mean they they guided me on a lot of things but we weren't it was like like job site meeting, now I'm off to the next site, you know. Right. And get answers. Boom, done. And and I've had time now to get to know them more and the camaraderie and just the the relationship is really really neat. It's it's yeah. uh I wish I'd known sooner. Or whatever. Right.
0: No, that's the that's the, the relationships thing. evolve. Go ahead. No, that's the funny thing, you know, I started It's kind of sounds weird, but I really started knowing everyone's name on the job on this big 30,000 square foot job, because if I'm going to have this thing done to the level that we want it done, you have to connect to these trade partners on another level and treating them with love and, and telling a grown man when he steps on your job site, Hey man, I'm drew I'm here. If you got any questions, let me know you're not alone to tell a grown man and see their face and say, you're not alone out here. Your decisions you make, you can come to me, you know, and let them in and, and give yourself. You need to make yourself approachable to all these people. And I've, I've learned all of their names. That's one of the big things I did is make sure, you know, every single guy's name on the job. When you got like a hundred guys on the job, it's a little tough, but you know, that's huge because we're all people and those people are here to help you and help your clients. And yeah, that's important. And that's, those are my mentors out there, man. Drew,
1: that's a, that's a really good point you bring up about knowing names. Uh, It's, it's, it's like, so it's such a basic element of being a contractor. Uh, I I appreciate so much that you're trying to get to know the names of a hundred employees of subcontractors and all that. That's phenomenal. I would struggle with knowing everybody's name on a job site like that, but with clients, it's super important in the early stages you, when you go to a client's home, you get their names and you always know that. Right. And you say goodbye from that, in that first meeting to both people by their first name. And it's such a, it adds like what you're saying. It adds a level of comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, people know you're human. Same thing you're saying with your subcontractors. They know that you actually care about something. Totally matters to you. What's your, what do you value most in life,
0: Drew? Well, my family is number one, obviously, but As far as uh, construction values, it's really, it's about the people, man. My values are, I think we're all the same. And I, I, I look at myself, I look at some of these younger folks coming up and I see myself in a lot of them and just treating the people like they are people and doing it with an open heart and love. Like I said, in construction, it's weird to like tell people, hey, man, listen, I'm here for you or, or ask how their, you know, their wife and kids are doing. Like, that's huge. And, and that's it's what I value a lot. Um, the interaction with all those people who are us. We're all from the same source, man.
1: Okay, let's do a little speed round. Let's do it. Okay. Favorite
0: tool? Sawzall. All. Most useful tool? Uh, probably, uh, what do we call them? Side cutters, clients. I think that it becomes a hammer. It becomes a lot of things. Love that tool.
1: The, where have you been all my life tool?
0: Where have you been all my life tool? I would have to say that would be the iPad. Hmm. So, so much on there. That thing just makes my life so much easier. I just wish it was invented a long time ago. Best joke. Best joke. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so many good ones. Okay, best job site snack. Best job site snack. You know, those food trucks, they've got these little uh, pre-made burritos on them down here, and those things kept me fueled for quite a while. That would that fueled me for too long. I, I regret to say, because now all I eat on job sites is salads. Don't judge me.
1: You got to... Take care of yourself. That's it. It, it, we're so busy. It's really yeah. easy just to eat crappy fast food.
0: Oh, I've got the joke. So you, you, you tell someone it's six feet or 72 inches, whichever one comes first. That always is great. <laughs> okay. Best job site jams. Best job site jams. Well, I don't allow any music on my job sites, sadly. Um, mm. But I do have to say I grew up with um, classic rock. You know, on the job sites, which is
1: huge. Distracting. And so you don't have uh, music on the job site because it's too much of a distraction?
0: So, a couple of things. You know, our jobs, they're multi million dollar jobs. I tell people, you know, we're running a multi million dollar business here. You need to act so. So, we don't have, I don't like battling radios and I don't like, you know, I like clients and architects can show up anytime. I like them to do so in a very business like environment we're stacking crews you know we, we've got crews on top of crews so it's like no one just likes one set of music i wish there was one maybe Johann sebastian bach would have done it but you know everyone likes their own music so you can't sit yeah. on one so no one gets to play
1: i have the luxury of not really needing to stack crews very often that's huge i love doing it that way because people are so happy when they get yeah, the I, whole, they get the whole house to themselves
0: it's all swept form and they get to do their job and sweep mm-hmm. it out. And then next mm-hmm. on to the next guy, that'd be fantastic. I love, love that life.
1: Uh, oh, You're an electrician. Do you sweep up? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my. I can't so, even believe you said
1: something about sweeping.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. That is hilarious. So I was, I was a big stickler, man. I swept, I made sure it was left. Like I would even pick up the Romex shavings inside of the stud cavities. I was a rare, I was a rare electrician, but I laugh because it's so true. It's so true.
1: Wow. You, well, that's maybe why you left it behind. Cause you, you were an electrician. Being an
0: electrician was a stepping stone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Delivery guy. Yeah. Yeah. I but plaque there. Once I, once I realized I was cleaning up my own uh, wire scraps, that's when I was like, I'm better.
1: Mm, I love it. No, well, Drew, thanks so much for being here with me today. It's been awesome yeah. having you. Thank and, you. And, and I want to I have you back on.
0: Absolutely. It is, I do have to say, it is, I had, I had to shake it hearing your voice talk to me. I don't know how many people do a podcast, but it's very odd hearing your voice talk to me when I'm used to just listening and, you know, talk to others. So yeah, that's uh-huh. definitely something I had to get past, but I'm, I'm over it now, Mike. So yeah, I'm on to the next. Whenever you want me back on, man, we're good.
1: Cool. I, I look forward to it and congrats on starting your business. And, uh, man, I, you're going to just launch right into it and do great.
0: I hope, man. I appreciate it. Well, again, it was great talking to you, brother. Yeah, man.
1: Thanks for listening today, you guys. Hey, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Mitchell Withrow owner of K and custom homes out of Alberta. Mitchell, thank you for the awesome review online And all your support on social media, you freaking rock. If you enjoyed the show, learned something or experienced affirmation about what you're doing, leave a comment or a review on iTunes, on the podcast app on your phone, or on my website, thecontractinghandbook.com. Wherever you listen, please subscribe to help get the show to more people like you. Remember, the work we leave behind us is our legacy wherever we are in the world. Also, if you found value in the content and feel like making a contribution for production, go to my Venmo account, MikeKinoki1. All right, that's all I got.